shines bright in the Kentucky Derby. And it's American Pharaoh pulling away late. American Pharaoh rules the Derby. Welcome to the seventh edition of the Courier Journal's Derby HQ podcast. My name is Jonathan Littner. I cover horse racing in Louisville, Kentucky, and use this platform each week to reach out to some people around the country who are on site at the weekend's Kentucky Derby preps. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably aware of the Florida Derby coming up on Saturday. It's uh, about as big as it gets for the first Saturday of May. We have uh, undefeated two-year-old champion Nyquist going against Mo Heyman, who I think it's safe to say most people consider the early Kentucky Derby favorite at this point. And I was glad to talk to two people who will be on site for the race at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. First, Alicia Hughes from the Lexington Herald-Leader. She'll make the trip down south. And then Gabby Gaudet a racing analyst at Gulfstream Park. She also offered some insight on the other eight horses in the field. Uh, you know, not, not saying that any of them will beat Mohamed and Nyquist, but... You know, in terms of who could fill out exotic wagers and multiple race wagers, you know, Gabby can help out with that. Uh, and we'll finish the show with some audio from this week's NTRA teleconference that featured Kieran McLaughlin and Doug O'Neill, the trainers of Mohamed and Nyquist, talking a bit about this weekend's race. Alicia, how's it going? Hey, Jonathan, how's it going on your end? Uh, it, you know, we're busy. I think we both talked about that. We're recording this on Wednesday, and we've already uh, had Calvin Burrell retire today. Uh, the two draws for the Florida Derby and the Spiral Stakes, and I guess you're probably packing your bags for Florida as well. Is that right? Um, at some point, those guys will, will be packed. They haven't happened yet with everything that's going on today. <laughs> well, I guess I'll get right to the Florida Derby. It's the race that everybody wants to talk about uh, with Mohamed and Nyquist and and Seeing the post position draw earlier, I, I don't know how they got a field of 10 for that race, but I don't really know anything about the eight horses other than Mohamed and Nyquist, uh, who I guess, by the way, Mohamed the nine hole and, and Nyquist the four. What was your reaction to seeing that draw? Um, first of all, hat tip to the racing office down there, as you said, for getting eight others to, to show up against those two. But, I mean, realistically, you can't blame them. I think uh, I think it was Dale Romans, as usual, coming through with the great court of, you know, you know, hey, there's, outside of those two, there's nobody else in there who's a big superstar, so why not take a shot? If you hit a board the grade one race, especially Derby Press with this many points, your horse will punch its, will, will punch its feet to the, to the Derby, so to speak, and, you know, and taking third in a million dollar race or a worse way to spend a day. So for, for, for the other reason, why not take a chance? And obviously we, we've seen some ups that happens before, but on paper it is hard to look at these horses and see past the, the top two with Mohamed and Nyquist. They've just been the the class of their field every time they've stepped on, on the track. And it would I I can't really come up with with a scenario other than some crazy speed duel, which I don't think is going to happen that would see anything other than one of those two ending up in a winner's circle on Saturday. And, and you vote in our, our Derby Top 20 poll, and you've been somebody like me who has Mohamed number one. I mean, do you fully expect him to win the race? Or, or I guess how solid of a number one over Nyquist is he to you at this point? He's number one, but I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's number one with a huge gap. Um, I think with the great aspects that, and the great intangibles that Mohamed has shown to this point is he just doesn't care, and he kind of wins 
you know, I said he, you know, he can lose ground, he can sit close, he can, he can rate, he can rally. I think his last race he got bumped a little bit, and he just seems to handle everything with this casual ease, and nothing seems to take anything out of him. Karen McLaughlin has repeatedly said he can't really get this horse tired, and the scary thing is it really doesn't seem like this horse has ever really been fully cranked that he's doing this at this point. You know, maybe at eighty percent. I'm not saying Karen hasn't had him fit, but. You know, it's the classic. I don't think we've seen the, the the bottom of this horse, or we just haven't seen anybody who's been able to to make him go to the bottom of what he's capable of. With Nyquist, you know, he's been a little bit more working like, but you just cannot knock this horse's guts. The the distance question is a question for him. With him being by Uncle Bo and having forestry as his damn star, we don't know how he's going to handle that distance. We know Mohamed has won over a mile in the eighth before the Derby distance. But, no, I mean, Nyquist is a horse. You just can't pass him. He has refused to be passed in all of his races. So, and I think it's going to, I think, I think it's going to be a great contest. And I just hope that both of them can bounce back in five weeks and do it again on Derby Day. As somebody who's covered horse racing for quite a while now, is, is there a prep that you can think back to that you've anticipated more than this one? I mean, try. I mean, that's the thing is a lot of us have gone back and tried to find something comparable to this. Basically, one versus two, both unbeaten, both not waiting until Derby Day to race, and I can't really find it. I mean, unless there was something in the twenties and thirties that, that that we're missing, the most comparable thing I can kind of come up with is. When Silvertron and Freehouse were racing against each other in 1997, they had three great battles out in California. They eventually ran first and third in the Derby, but they didn't have the widespread favorite to them. I think Captain Bodgett was a favorite that year. You had Pulpit still running. Those two weren't even considered the one versus two, and they weren't unbeaten. You could kind of draw a line to Secretariat versus Sham in the Wood Memorial. Obviously, Secretariat, Secretariat, Sham ran one, two behind the Derby and Preachers, but I don't think anybody was doing that is any kind of showdown against the Secretariat. The Secretariat was already Secretariat at that point, the horse of the year in, in champion. Never mind that they both ended up getting beat that, that day anyway. But it, it's hard. I don't, we really haven't seen anything like this. And I think, you know, for all the people questioning, go, wow, how, why would these two race their toughest competition five weeks before they had to? I think we need to applaud the sportsmanship of these two. A lot of people cry about wanting to see the racing stars face each other more often. These two camps are doing it, and regardless how this pans out, I think that they need to be applauded for the sporting aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, obviously the bonus is bringing Nyquist to the race, but, uh, you know, Mohamed had to show up too, so I think that that's, that's worth noting. Um, the, obviously the Florida Derby, the big race on Saturday, but then uh, kind of back closer to home, there's the spiral, spiral stakes at, at Turfway Park. They got a field of 12, um, Aeroforce being the biggest name of them, others in the field, uh, Surgical Strike, who won the the John Battaglia Memorial, uh, Larry Jones has Jensen, uh, Cassiopeia is, is kind of intriguing, has run over synthetic a couple times and finished second. You know, what, what do you make of this field, and I guess especially Aeroforce, because I know it's a horse that we were both high on and then put in a real clunker in the Risen Star. Um, they, they've said nothing physically wrong with him, and he comes back in this spot over synthetic, which maybe is a surface he'll like more. Uh, do, you, do you expect a big effort from him? Um, I hope I said I talked to Mark Cass the other day and he's he's as confused as, as the rest of us as to why he ran as poorly as he did that day in the Risen Star. I think his comments after a race was I could have not trained him for three weeks and he could have run, you know, but better than that. Um, he kind of initially in that aftermath said that he sort of 
declared him off the Derby Trail just because he didn't want to have that pressure kind of lingering in on, on him and trying to maybe force a horse into doing something he's not able to do. I do think he'll take to the synthetic surface just because this is a horse who's proven over over turf. That's been his play, you know, that's been the surface that he's had the most success over. Before he did jump up and win on dirt in the Kentucky Jockey Club, which was over a sealed coffee track at Churchill. So if you're looking at the whole, you know, turf form playing over to synthetic, this, this is something that should suit him. It's going to be a real puzzle, I think, judging whoever comes out of this race, just because it is the 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 synthetic surface. You know, this quality of horses too. This isn't you know this isn't this isn't Nyquist v Mohamed. This is a, you know a little bit of lower quality of horses. So I'm not really sure how great anybody how 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 much stock you can put into whoever comes out of this race. Looking forward to to, to the Derby. If Arrow Force runs well or wins, and if they do decide to 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 go on with him to Churchill. He has proven he likes that 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 track, and Mark Cassie has said he feels like the Churchill surface, for whatever reason, plays as favorable to horses with turf in synthetic form as any other dirt track out there. So he might be worth, you know, if he moves forward, he might be worth using from mm-hmm. Derby Day, depending on how that, that, that track plays. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a big, if he does run well on Saturday, a big X factor in the Derby, just, just given the risen star. And I kind of liken him to Destin if they don't run Destin back after the Tampa Bay Derby. Like, you just really won't have any idea of how that horse would run on Derby Day. And I guess it, interesting for horse players, uh, not so much for us if we have to make the picks, though. Yeah, I'll tell you, if it, if it rains that, that day, and if he goes forward, I'll use him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's a good point. Um, you went to the the John Battaglia Memorial. I'm, I'm sure that was probably mostly to to cover Mike Battaglia's last call and everything. But but Surgical Strike looked good in that race and came from nearly last to first. I mean, do you, do you peg him as kind of the the horse to watch in this field to a certain extent? I mean, just just in terms of what he was able to do last time out over that track. Oh uh, yeah, so, certainly. I see you right there. He's got, you know, he's got form over that over that track. He 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 did run a really good, good race last time, and I think he is a horse on the improve. So yeah, I would absolutely look towards. You know, I said if you're if you're trying to handicap the the spiral, I don't see how 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 you can look past surgical strike in that race. Um, again, like I said, it's just you know that 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 race just historically can just throw some horses in there that can kind of that can that can kind of surprise you a little bit. So I said I'm just I'm gonna watch that that race. But I said I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take sort of what I see that day with a grain of salt as before as to how I apply it towards Derby Day. Mm-hmm. And and I guess before we let you go, I, I want to take a look at, at your top twenty and the other contenders that you have listed highly uh, behind Mohammed and Nyquist. You have Danzing Candy, More Spirit, Cupid, Gunrunner, Destin. Is, is there any horse um, you know in that group that you think could jump up and and actually win on Derby Day? I know we're we're a long way from that, but uh, you know maybe out of those. I, I like to call them like the second flight of horses at this point. Who who do you like the best? I mean, I think Dan, uh, you know, Dizzy Candy is an interesting horse just because of he obviously has so much raw natural talent and the way he won last time. You know, if he can duplicate that form again in his final trip in the Santa Anita Derby, you know, he certainly could, could be one to watch for, for Derby Day. He, the thing with him is he has yet to prove that he can win when he doesn't have the, the, the lead. And so I said, Gotta wonder if he's gonna be get that kind of setup for the Derby. It would be hard to think he would. But he's like that. He's just kind of an unknown because he's still a little bit unproven. You know, we don't. You know, he hasn't run against like I said the Mohamed and Nyquist, so we don't know how he compares to those two. So it's you know, so you can't say he's better or worse at at this point because because we don't know. 
Gunrunner, I really, really liked his race in the in you know in the Louisiana Derby. I like the fact that you know anytime a horse's winning margins get greater as the distance gets longer, I think is a, is a huge plus at this point. What I don't like at all is that six week layoff. I know it has been done; Animal Kingdom do it, but boy, there's very few examples of it being pulled off. And I just think you know in this year, I, I said I I wish he was going to have one more prep. I just I just I, I wish he wasn't coming off of he wasn't going to be coming off of that six week layoff because I do really like that horse going forward. Yeah, and that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm glad that I think they brought him to Churchill Downs already, so we'll probably have a pretty good idea of how he's going to train up to that. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I guess my question with Gunrunner is, is, you know, why didn't he run in the Lecompte? I mean, would a you know a third prep have, have built a little bit more of a foundation? But I guess that's something that uh, you know we'll have to ask Steve Asmussen, his trainer. Um, I was talking to to Ed DeRosa from from Twin Spires last week, and he's a big believer in Zulu. It, it, you know, what do you make of that horse? And I guess he he could pop up in the Bluegrass next week at at, at Keeneland. Yeah, we might get, get get to see for ourselves what we have on our hands with Lulu with, with Zulu. Um, again, the only real you know thing we have to judge him off of is that runner up finish behind uh, Mohamed last time out in the Fountain Youth Stakes, and I think a horse who was only making his third career start to run as well as he did that day, I mean, he wasn't going to beat Mohamed, but he, you know, for him to run as well as he did and get kind of the education experience he had, I thought was very good, and I was I was, I was, was impressed with his talent there. Um, he hasn't had a ton of work since, since then. You know, I know sometimes that's Todd style, but he hasn't had a ton of work. That kind of raises a little bit of concern in, in my mind, and it's just, you know, he's just, again, he's just so, so impressive at, at this point. These, you know, these, these are still babies. This is all a crapshoot still going on here. And, you know, I think it's going to be, if he runs a really big race his next time out, again, he's one who could be on, you know, could be one of those who's going to be peaking and getting maturing and getting his education and getting that, that foundation at the right time for Derby Day. But I, I need to see more in his final prep before I come to any kind of grand judgment on him. Yeah. Well, Alicia, you know, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, you know, like I said, follow her coverage uh, from Gulfstream Park this weekend. She's on Twitter at Horse Racing HL. Uh, and I know I'll be looking for your insights. And, and, you know, if you find a horse that you think looks looks better than Mohamed or Nyquist, you know, we, we want to hear about it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if I find that, I'll definitely put, put the breaking tag on that one. <laughs> All righty, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. You take care. Please be joined on this week's podcast by Gabby Gaudet. She's the racing analyst at Gulfstream Park and also a voter in the Courier Journal's Derby HQ Top 20 poll. Um, Gabby, I got to start by asking, how's the weather in Florida this week? Well, you never know with South Florida, but uh, it does look like we might, last I looked, it looked like we might get uh, some showers. We've been getting some showers throughout the weekend. Uh, we uh, Yesterday, actually, we were, which was Wednesday, we were taken, uh, we took two races off the turf, so looking for, forward to the weekend. Hopefully the weather stays well, but uh, you never really know <laughs> with the South Florida. It could be sunshine, and then all of a sudden a thunderstorm rolls in. You know, the, talking about, I guess, the other sort of atmosphere in Florida. I mean, what, what's kind of the hype like for this race? And, and can you compare it to, to any other past Kentucky Derby preps at the track? 
Honestly, there's a whole new energy going into this weekend, obviously, because this is something that's unprecedented. We have two undefeated uh, top two derby contenders battling each other this weekend. I was talking to even Doug O'Neill yesterday at the post position draw. He's excited. I went up to Palmetto's on Monday and talked to Karen McLaughlin, and he said he's really confident going into the race. But, of course, he's really excited as well. So there's a lot of positive energy, more positive energy than really I've I've felt this entire meet. And we've got, I guess, a field of 10 for the Florida Derby. Nyquist coming out of the four hole, Mohamed from the nine. Um, Have you narrowed down which of the two you like more at this point? Mohamed for different reasons. You know, I think that we'll get, I guess we'll get to Nyquist in a second, but the reason why I like Mohamed so much going in here is because he's got a sound bottom to him. Obviously, off of the uh, Remsen, he came here to South Florida. And uh, he's been training up at Palmetto's. He was very impressive in the Holy Bull. He was very impressive in the Fountain of Youth. And I think it's important that he has two races locally going two turns and, and now getting to the mile and an eighth. And he's shown the ability to be versatile. You know, he can overcome obstacles throughout the course of the race. And I think um, his mind is it's something that's really going to take him far um, in his career because I can remember being behind the gate uh, during the Fountain of Youth and we saw other horses like Fellowship and Zulu. They were acting up behind the gate and kind of uh, losing it in a sense. And Mohamed was just standing there looking around, taking in all of his surroundings. So there's a lot of things to like about him. And plus, you know, he doesn't have far to ship, whereas we saw Nyquist come in and he's never shipped this far. And we've been watching him uh, train in the mornings the past two days today and then yesterday, uh, the day after that he shipped in. And he, you know, he's probably not used to the humidity down here. Uh, he does look well for the for Doug O'Neill, and he looks to be training very well. But, you know, now he has to stretch back out to two turns. He has a, a different course that he has to and a different um, uh, kind of atmosphere down here as well. Well, I, I've seen from, you know, just looking on Twitter the last two mornings with Nyquist, and I, I don't know if you saw this, but he, he's kind of gotten hot in his morning training. Is that typical of horses that come into Gulfstream and are adjusting? I mean, do you see that as a negative for him? Well, I think you always have to, when you look at horses and their behavior and uh, kind of their physicality, you want to be cognizant of changes in a horse's behavior. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look like this is, Nyquist has uh, kind of trained in the mornings like that prior to shipping down here. So maybe it is a negative, but it's all about acclimating. Like I said, it, it's much hum- more humid down here than probably what he's ever been used to, especially shipping. So sometimes we see it play a role, I think, where you have to be more cognizant of or pay more attention to how he's acting uh, come race day. And that's something that I'm really going to be paying attention to and honing in on. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your reaction was to the draw, but uh, a lot of these other horses in the field, really everybody except for Fellowship, you know, I, I had not heard of. <laughs> Are there mm-hmm. any horses that stand out from that group that you could see you know, filling out some exotics? Well, you you make a good point. Fellowship obviously has been uh, running third best behind Mohamed in the past few starts, and he's probably going to be one to round out the trifecta for most people. Uh, beyond that, it's going to be tough. You know, some of these horses, uh, there is actually even one maiden in here. A few have just uh, broken their maiden, like Mahesto, the number three horse 
who has been running in some key maiden special weights throughout the meet, but he finally just uh, got got his median score last time out and I was impressed by it but impressed enough to maybe use him in exotics in the Florida Derby probably not um, looking at some others in here we have take it to the edge he was one of the more impressive maiden special weight uh, runners that we saw he drew off by almost eight lengths and I know Dale Romans is really high on this horse uh, but not only does he have to face winners for the first time he has to face faster horses Mohamed Nyquist and he has to get two turns um, and not to mention he's fast, and there's an overabundance of speed in here, too. The oh, the only other horse that I'll mention is the eight fashionable Freddy in here for Nick Zito. He's going to have to drastically improve in here, but he got into a tremendous amount of trouble that I thought perhaps compromised him a little bit last time out. Again, you're kind of grasping at straws beyond the two uh, favorites in here with Nyquist and Mohamed and even Fellowship, uh, but uh, perhaps those are some other horses that you we could pay attention to. Yeah, and, and maybe this is you know kind of the the money question this week. But I mean, how do you handicap or, or wager on a race like this where you have two horses that you're going to be such favorites, and then the rest that you know the odds will be so long? Have you have you gotten around to thinking about that yet? Well, I, it, this is kind of uh, an important race for, you know, multi-race sequences. And I think even in uh, the body of the Rainbow Six or the Pick Five or Pick Fours, whatever multi-race sequences you're playing, you know, this is kind of a key race, whether you're a Nyquist fan or a Mohamed fan. And that's probably where you're going to make your most money is trying to make money in other races before you get to the the uh, headliner of it all. Uh, but in terms of betting this, uh, you know, as a it, it, isolated, um, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. You know, I think maybe you key a horse like either Mohamed or Nyquist and try to get uh, creative beyond that. Uh, like I said, it, it's gonna be tough though. <laughs> and and just kind of in a more general sense, so looking at the the ballot that you filled out this week in the in the Derby poll, you had Mohamed first, Nyquist second, followed by Dancing Candy, Cupid, and Gunrunner. You know, those last three, are, you know, what what stands out about those horses? I mean, do you see either of them improving to the point where they could win the Kentucky Derby? Uh, you mean uh, the my top five horses there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, any, anybody other than Mohamed and Nyquist, I mean, who who kind of catches your eye at this point? You know, I was really impressed by Cupid. I I was even thinking about putting him higher on the list, and I think we're going to see how this weekend pans out. Um, but, you know, going into the Rebel, I wasn't a big fan of Cupid. I had my reservations, and he completely proved me wrong. Uh, so he's one that I'm going to be really kind of teetering on and thinking about uh, maybe placing him higher or lower and changing uh, his position there in the top five uh, after this weekend in the Florida Derby. And, and the other horse I wanted to ask you about was Zulu, who we you know we saw in the Fountain of Youth run second to Mohamed, but not coming back in this spot. Now I believe he might have also been eligible for that bonus. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that says about Todd Pletcher's thoughts on the horse, but I mean, would you have wanted to see him run back in this race, or, or do you have any thoughts on him? Well, I think Todd is probably being realistic with him because he's faced uh, Mohamed before in the past, and now he's got to face both Mohamed and Nyquist, your top two derby contenders, and he's probably opting for a different spot and uh, trying to get uh, some 
some more derby points that way, I would imagine. But again, I thought I've always thought that there was a lot of uh, hype on Zulu, even uh, going into uh, his the last one, uh, the Fountain of Youth. And I just thought he had a lot of a lot more to prove. So honestly, I think it's uh, Todd Pletcher just being realistic with his Derby contenders and just well spotting them. Mm-hmm. Well, Gabby, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me. We'll, we'll certainly be watching you uh, break down all the races this weekend at, at Gulfstream Park. Oh, thank you very much. It's going to be a really fun weekend, and uh, thank you for having me on. And up next, as promised, a little audio from the NTRA teleconference this week. If you hear a little background noise, Kieran McLaughlin said he was uh, talking through a rain shower, but was asked first off, has he gotten to the bottom of Mohamed yet? No, we haven't, and that's why I say it's not a bad thing to have his toughest challenge today be five weeks from the Derby. So we're kind of looking forward to that and see how we get on. But we haven't gotten to the bottom of him yet for sure. Kind of scary to see if you're not if you're a horse running against them. Yes, I think it is a little scary, but um, I'm sure that Doug O'Neill's team feels the same way about their horse. But this is a very special colt, and it's fun to have him in the barn. And when did you know he was going to be special? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, we always liked him. We always liked him from the beginning. Uh, but we didn't start working him until the first week in July. He didn't come in until late June, and he came into Belmont right up to Saratoga. But all of his works were um, excellent, and but we didn't really know it was going to be a special horse ride until after his first start, second start, and uh, he seems to be improving, and you know all the time. One last one here. Um, how did Frost come out of the, the World Cup, and do you have any plans for him heading down the line in the media future? He came out of the state camp to kind of, he was very wide, and um, we weren't good enough to beat California Chrome on the day, but um, he's going to fly back uh, Thursday, and uh, we'll get him back to Belmont maybe Sunday. And, um, we don't have any plans at this time. I mean, obviously, we might look at the Suburban first week in July, but no plans yet. Following Kieran on this week's teleconference was Doug O'Neill, who had a reporter call in and ask, you know, how is your ego feeling? You you have the two-year-old undefeated champion, and, and yet most people consider Mohamed at this point to be the favorite for the Kentucky Derby. Not at all, Tom. I, 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 kinda, I like coming under the radar, and uh, I just want to keep flying. So if we keep flying under the radar, I love it. And uh, now, you know, I think it's one of those where, you know, for what they, they paid a lot of money for, for Mahaman and, and rightfully so, he turned out to be an amazing horse. He's by the hottest sign in the country and Uncle Mo's not too far behind it. And uh, so it, it doesn't bother me at all. I, I think one of those that, uh, you know, as long as our horse continues to do well, I have no problem with what uh, the, the experts are, are saying. And then it uh, just makes for even a more exciting uh, Saturday because we think, uh, you know, we're very optimistic about uh, how the race will unfold. All right. And I guess 1A to that. No matter what happened, and people are calling this the best, you know, the biggest race between three-year-old contenders in years, and I, and I agree with that. But there are still people who say, well, the best three-year-old is a Philly. How do you feel about that? 
Wow. Well, they've got, I mean, we've run against Pongbird, and then um, there's a couple other nice three-year-old fillies as well. So it's possible. You well, never I'm know. talking about Songbird. Uh, yeah, Songbird. Uh, well, she's she's freakishly fast out of the gate, and she's got stamina. Speed and stamina wins just about most races. So um, she's got two of the greatest qualities a racehorse can have. She's got tons of class. She's got great connections with the team Hollendorfer. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Nyquist or Mohamed or any other top three-year-old, doesn't have, a three-year-old male, doesn't have to face her anytime in the near future. But whenever that does come, that'll be an interesting add to the mix because she's we're blessed enough to watch her train on a daily basis. And you could very easily confuse her for a cult the way she uh, trains. 